0: On today's episode of Rice, we'll be discussing education and young Canadian Asians, plus tackling the hot topics of the week, um, specifically the American insurrection and the weekend's new face. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to Rice Asian Comedy Podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment culture and trending topics we are recording this episode live on sunday january the 10th and if you like this show and would like to help us grow please subscribe comment share but most importantly please leave us a five-star review on itunes and spotify that is the best way to help us with the algorithms and we'd super appreciate it I am your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for Gay Super Cute Asians, and on our panel today is Leonard Chan. Hello! And Veronica Antipolo. Hello! And just a quick preview, coming up later on this show, we will be interviewing TDSB teacher Maki Nishikaze. Say hi, Maki. Hi! (laughs) Okay, we will be seeing you very shortly. Um, But uh, before we get into that interview, let's jump back to our panelists. And we are going to tackle our very first topic and our main topic of the week, actually. Um, And our main topic of the week is a discussion on the education of young Asians in Canada. So let's first go over to Veronica and, uh, and uh, Veronica, um, uh, what are your thoughts about the education that you received as a young Asian growing up in Canada?
1: Um, so I was in the Catholic uh, Toronto Catholic school board system. And I mean, Honestly, I wouldn't have known the difference. I, I still don't know the difference because I haven't had any other experience. I will say though that's specific to uh, the catchment that I happen to be in. I happen to go to school with, you know, kids from Bridal Path, and they would transfer in and out of Crescent and that girls' school, uh, Bishop Strawn. Um, so my experience was, um, I felt like um, I, I felt like a fly on the wall a lot of times because. Um, Specific to the experience of my school and not necessarily the education system, because I don't know if I knew any better about the education system, but it was just like an interesting way to grow up and be like one of the only Filipinos I knew in that area at the time.
0: Mm. Yeah, wait, so, uh, so. What was like the racial makeup of, of of your school? You're saying you're one of the only Filipinos. Like, what what were the other uh, racial minorities or non minorities?
1: So, so I'm a Gen Xer. So that was, oh God, what year was that? Like the early '80s. Um, so it was mostly white. Um, and then it was literally like what you see on TV when they try to say it's diverse. It would be like one of like the major ethnicities that you knew about Mm. and then Filipino. So I basically would just tell people I was Hawaiian because it seemed more, (laughs) it just seemed like a better deal. And people are like, oh, Hawaii and Hawaiian punch was very in at that time. So big in people's lunches.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, it, it definitely makes sense. I do think there is a lot of connection between people from the Philippines and other Polynesian countries and um, and, yeah. Hawaii, and Hawaii, of course, for sure. Um, you know, I, and, you know, I, listen, I, I went to a school where we were probably at least 50% Filipino. And, uh, yeah, they were... Um, and, you know, another 40% were other types of Asians. And, you know, definitely the Filipinos, they had some things in common with the other Asians, but also a lot of differences. Um, so, yeah. probably, yeah, I guess the, the Hawaiian influence. Um, but, like, like, what was your general experience in school? Like, did you, were you a teacher's pet? Were you oh my God. a rebel?
1: I am not the Veronica that you know today. I was actually very quiet and timid. I would volunteer to stay in at recess on nice days to clap erasers, just like in that chess series you see now, on Netflix. That really happened. That's not like, something only for that show. Wow. I was that nerd. I would. Like, I was spelling bee champion three years in a row. I would, came third place in tree bee. I can identify a tree from meters away. Like listen, I'm your girl. Oh,
2: wait, you can imagine, like, That's a tree. Is that a tree? <laughs> <laughs> like, That's a tree. Yeah. That's a tree. <laughs> I
1: can tell you a red oak from a white oak. Like <laughs> um so I I recognize that because of my area, I actually may have been um I may have had the benefits um to be exposed to other things that say John Twenty third down the street, which is in Flemington Park in Toronto, may have not been exposed to necessarily, whether that's just so- socioeconomics or whatnot. But I mean, in terms of education, I was also in the gifted program. So I like I left the school once a week to go like do things in clay and do all these weird like we'd learn things. We'd do a lot of logic games and then I'd come back to school and then it would just be like the normal program. So it was, uh, you know, I was I was one of the quote-unquote advanced kids. It mm. didn't really do much for me in life, but <laughs> it's nice to hold on to those <laughs> things that I just mentioned, list them off like one day in my life someone's going to ask, and here it is. Here's the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. Rice Asian Comedy <laughs> Podcast.
0: <laughs> and... Did like uh, <laughs> what what role do you think being Asian played in your education in Canada? Like did it come up? Did you ever feel isolated yes. or did you feel pressure to succeed more cuz you're Asian or
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Also because I guess cuz Filipinos. I mean more probably after the generations that came after. Cause there weren't that many really at all when I was there. But there was pressure um just the fact of being Asian because they equated me to just being East Asian or at that time, they just straight up, they just do like, you're Chinese. But everyone would assume I was just smart, which was fine, except when I couldn't live up to it, which is the rest of my school history. But anyhow, um, <laughs> it was a lot of pressure. My dad actually in grade eight decided that I should be in the U of T schools. I don't know out of what And he literally just applied to have me tested, like write their exam with like, I sort of got two weeks of practice. And so I go in there and there's all these private school kids just like studiously (laughs) writing down answers. And I'm just staring with my mouth just hanging open at at them going, I don't know what question number one means. I'm just going to write my name on every page and get that down at least. Mm. So there's a lot of pressure, I would say, growing up as an Asian Canadian and also first generation to 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 be the product of the sacrifice of coming to uh, North America, of coming to Canada. So I did mm. feel that pressure.
0: And it's a, it's one one final question for you is. Um... You know you're you're a mother now like how how is it like seeing the school system through the eyes of a mother of Asian children right.
1: um, yeah sorry
0: what are you gonna say I didn't say or at least like half Asian children I'm
1: oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can be half smart today um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you know it's such a different um it's such a different landscape, first of all, in the area that I live in, and also for Toronto in general. Like, the, it's much more diverse than when I was a child. Mm. Um, I do still see some of those um, stereotypes pop up, actually, between the kids, and um, I worry about things like that, especially because my kids are biracial, and you know, kids, especially if they're if they're black or half black in the case of my kids is that, you know, there's still many like stories um, that you'll hear about where they're judged based on a stereotype or a prejudice. And it's, it's, it's basically racial profiling within schools. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hope for the best for my kids. My son is, he got through school fine unscathed. He took a gap year, Or two or three. Mm. Go back to school, please, son. Um, My daughter, um, I'm lucky, is an avid reader. So now that we're doing virtual learning, if she doesn't learn anything online, I'm just going to, like, read all these novels. Mm. I don't... I don't... I'm not too worried. I think it'll be a different... It's a different world for them. Especially after this. I don't know how much it'll change.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I've... uh... My, my education, you know, I, 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 I grew up in the ghetto, um, in, in the murder capital <laughs> of Canada in Winnipeg. Um, and so we went to a school, um, you know, like, like, I said, it was basically 90% Asians. We had one white kid and, and two black kids. So to me, white people were just things that existed on TV. So it was, it was an interesting upbringing, um, I I was lucky because I never felt like I was like... A visible minority, because where I grew up and where I went to school, we weren't. We, we were the majority. And that poor white kid, we beat him up, like, every single day. Um, but I, I, I will say, that that is a warning to, to Asian parents. I feel bad, because there's a lot of my Asian friends who were the only Asian kid in their whole school, and they got picked on like the same way that we picked on that one white kid. So um, I, I think with parents' views, like Asian parents' views on education, I think it's interesting, um, like, definitely First and second generation, because you get it, like you get two two extremes. You either get it where um, they really believe that the best thing for their child is is to assimilate into Canadian culture. And that's where you get where they put them into a school of all white people. They're like, they're going to assimilate. They're going to, you know, really understand Canadian culture. Um, but usually all they do is end up getting beat up every day. But, you know, that, that, that that's a belief. <laughs> they do want the best for the kids. And the other end of it is sort of like with my parents where they're like, you know, sure – absorbing canadian culture is important but that'll happen naturally anyway being in canada and my parents were just very like you know outside of the education system at home we're going to educate you on your culture so like we didn't speak english at home um you know literally everybody in our lives were you know from 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 our culture um like my dad was president of the lao association so they really ingrained that and i actually thought that Brought me like a lot of strength, and it actually helped me learn Canadian culture more because I could um, compare and contrast it a little bit with the with like the tr- with the traditional Lao culture, which actually allowed me to question both cultures. And when you're questioning things, I feel like you kind of learn more about it. Um, as a, as a child, I was generally, you know, to um, to top of top of my school, um, pretty much from from grade one through, through grade 12. Um, it, it's kind of funny though. I was, I was strangely adopted by the Filipino community because, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I, I look like Filipino, but apparently some Filipinos do because I actually won like this Filipino scholarship for university that um, I, I had to return. They didn't tell me I was getting it and they, they give it to me at my high school graduation. And then Like, I went on stage and I accepted it because it was awkward and then I had to give it back. Um, and it was sad because they actually did a whole write up on me in like the Filipino local newspaper. It was just like. I was like, damn, people! Like, I'm, I'm glad I'm inspiring like a whole other um, culture, but I'm not Filipino, so I did feel guilty. Um, I I do think Canada has one of the strongest educational systems um, in the world. I know when they rank us, we're usually ranked above the U.S., but like below like a lot of European countries. And um, it's funny because when you look at our education system versus, say, like Asian countries. Like it's it's interesting because um, I think just from sheer numbers we're gonna lose out because like I, I think I think somebody said like in India there's more there's more like honor students than there are like than there are um, people in 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 the U.S. So it's like just to just to compete to get anywhere or not or not people or I mean maybe just um, um, <laughs> students, students. I, I, I think it, I think that's what it was. There is more honor students in India than there are students in the U.S. I, I think that that's what it was. So it's like to break through and to have any type of success, you just have to be, you know. Like top of the top, and I think too. Um, I think one big difference in the Canadian education system, at least from my experience, my short experience, because like in Winnipeg, we're very close to Minneapolis, and so a lot of my friends um, I knew from Minneapolis, and their schools had like. You know, sometimes they have like 2,000 people in their school. They're these huge schools. So um, they also had a bit of that same problem. And I think in Canada, you know, at least when I was growing up, the the school sizes were pretty manageable between, you know, 20, 25 kids. I know it's gone up a lot from there. Um, I I thought my education was, 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 uh, let's say, um, uh, (laughs) um, um, uh, what's the word? Not great because you don't know words. <laughs> sufficient. You sufficient. should have
1: took the scholarship.
0: <laughs> I should have. i should have. Um, but yeah, I. You know, I think. I think I was lucky. I. I learned a lot. I. I honestly have no complaints about the the Canadian system. Now, I, maybe I shouldn't talk about the Canadian system because, as we know, like each province has their own system, and Ontario specifically. The only thing I knew about the Ontario system from. Uh, Winnipeg was that you guys had to go through 13 years instead of 12 so I was kind of laughed at you um, but uh, now, now uh, transitioning into somebody who who uh, grew up in the Ontario system let's go over to Leonard and sort of what was your experience going through the education system as a young Asian in Canada
2: i imagine my experience was atypical because I, when I was a kid I went to Montessori um, and so that's not the normal school that you would go to. It's what, I, it's what I needed because I was one of those kids who, uh, I just was bored a lot uh, because Wait, I So, just, so well, for,
0: for, for our listeners, well, what is Montessori school? Is it a gifted school or is it a school for troubled teenagers?
2: Uh, I mean, both, or sure, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's just a different way of teaching. It's in, instead of like, oh, you sit down in this class, it's self-directed learning. Uh, so every now and then, like the teacher would like ring a bell, whatever, and then you go do like a little small lesson, and you go back and do whatever the hell it is you want to do. So like it's like today I want to learn about dinosaurs, so then I go learn about dinosaurs. It was great. Um, but yeah, and they just they had just a whole bunch of stuff in the class, like le- like books and like just learning implements. So I did that for yeah. until grade six, and then uh, I went to Crescent. So I was one of those fancy kids <laughs> that went in and out of uh, Veronica's. Catholic oh school. God. Which Catholic school did you go to? St. Joe's? Where'd you go? St. Saint,
1: Saint Bonnie's. St. Saint Bonaventure. Bonaventure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh my God, maybe you knew my school crush. Oh.
2: <laughs> Who was your school crush? I'm
1: Jason older than Re- you. J- I know, no, I think I'm older than you. Jason Wait. Reddy. Jason Reddy. No,
2: yes.
1: And John Potter. I'm just throwing out names. If you guys are out there and you're married, I'm sorry, wives. They were cute <laughs> in grade 8. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> John Potter and Jason Reddy calling out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh um yeah but uh so yeah i was just like all like super rich kids man like they, again all bridal path like all that stuff like and the eight like there were asians at my school but they were like the super rich asians okay so you know um what what is the guy's name he uh he's like a casino mogul in macau uh stanley oh, Hull, yes,
1: to say. yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah. Uh so super wealthy dude. He basically sent his kid to Canada because he didn't want to get kidnapped in Macau. <laughs> so, <laughs> got, like, and casinos and shit. And so I ran track with him, we were friends, and then I remember one t- like I'll go to his house after school and it was like a mansion, obviously, like on the mm. bridal path. And um and I remember we got picked up have I told this story? I don't remember if I told this story, but we got picked up by like his chauffeur. And I remember, like, he took my bag, put it in the trunk, and there's like an automatic weapon in the trunk. And I was just like, well, uh, "What do we need? A What do we need this for? And B Why is it in the trunk? Like, if you need it, like, put that thing on the passenger seat, for God's sake." <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's like the the level of like Asian that was there. Like everybody was rich. Like uh, like the grand of Brandon Toy was there. Like I got kicked in the head by Conrad Blackson. That was fun.
0: Oh wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: So, yeah, you know. It was, so it was like really, but like I was like I lived up in Markham, like and these were like super rich people. I was like the poor kid who came from Markham. Uh, drove my little Dodge Neon. but I had a car, if that tells you anything about like my upbringing. But like I would pull up next to like super fancy SUVs, like a stealth, like a Ferrari. Is you know I was the Andrea of Crescent. The Andrea. <laughs> oh the wow! Nine hundred two hundred reference just to yeah, date. Uh, but yeah, it was, I mean, I don't know if that particular education was better than public school. Like, I had a bunch of friends who were in public school, and they turned out just fine. Uh, but I think the difference is um, the the friends I made are all very privileged people. Like, basically, if I didn't go to private school, I'd have a lot less cottage weekends, I think. That's <laughs> yeah, <he> <laughs> like the major sense. difference. Yeah between private and public school is the cottage weekends I get to enjoy as an adult. Uh, and it's nice. Like, I mean, it's not like and normally I would say, like, if I went into a field like business or whatever, like, yeah, that stuff would have been super helpful. But like, I'm in comedy. So <laughs> but, amusingly enough, the story editor I hired for my for the pilot I'm writing for CBC, he went to Crescent.
1: No way. He's in my class.
2: He's actually one of the most successful comedy writers in Canada. There's nobody. In heard your
1: of. class, you said. He's, he was in
2: my class. Yeah. He he like he wrote for all like the roast battles. Not roast battles. Sorry. Uh, like the roasts. <laughs> like wrote the the roast of, like starting from Donald Trump all the way till now. He did all those wow. roasts. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote wow. Evil Dead the musical. He did a whole bunch of stuff. Like he's yeah. So yeah.
1: Like my school was a school that, and I was just told this actually from someone who just who went to one of those private schools I mentioned that. Basically, my school was where you sent your kid to, to ground them, to humble them. <laughs> yeah, hung out with me. You probably were humbled.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. The whole thing with private schools, Catholic schools, public schools. I don't know. Like, I, all I know is a public school system. Um, I think so much of education is not so much like learning the really hard stuff. It, it, it's as crazy as that sounds. Um, I think that um, that it, it's about socializing, and you know, it would have been nice to socialize with rich people to have some connections right now, but uh, like 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 uh, like with Leonard. But you know, I, I think. I think just the idea of like growing up and socializing, I actually think, it doesn't sound weird, but I feel like the education systems that focus so much on such advanced learning at a young age, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if, if that's the best thing. I know okay. that in, 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 in Japan, they were looking at um, having more dedicated time um, where, the, um, where, where the children get to choose what they want. As opposed to being like so structured, um, you know. story. Yeah. <laughs> so you know may, maybe that that's that's a preview for the future. As we know, like one of the things we're going to talk about a little bit later is you know what's happening with education and the pandemic system, and not the pandemic system, <laughs> the education system, <laughs> and how it's affected. By the pandemic, um, so it's interesting hearing um, what they did at Montessori because with the online virtual learning and, and all that. And speaking of that later, um, that later topic and, and discussion, we're now gonna um, bring in our special guest um, for today. I, I think she might have to turn back on her mic. I think I accidentally muted it um, during the last segment. But uh, you know, in the next segment, we're gonna have an exclusive interview from from from. Veronica who's gonna interview uh, TDSB teacher, um, um Maki uh um Sorry. I, yeah, no, the, the thing is, though, so I've, so I've, 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 I've got your name on the graphic, but what it is, is I switched the graphic to say educating young Asians. So I'm just gonna switch the graphic back so I nope. remember your, your name. So, um, uh, so the interview will be with, uh, with TDSV teacher, um, Maki, Maki uh, Nishikaze. <laughs> um, I was I was I almost accidentally said oh, that was good. That was good. <laughs> I almost accidentally said um namakaze. Um uh I I I I I don't know. I think I read too much, uh, Naruto. Um but okay. So uh prior to getting your experience as a teacher and talking about your experience as a teacher and what's happening in the education system and virtual learning, let's first go back to your past history as a student um, and sort of what what was your experience uh, being educated uh, and this is just an assumption I didn't do a pre Yeah, people can tell I I was not as prepared as I I should have been Um, but thankfully uh, the interviewer is Veronica and she will be much more prepared than much more prepared than I am but um, I'm assuming uh, Maki that you um, were educated in, in Canada how what were your experiences like?
3: Oh, um, yeah, I was born and raised in Scarborough, Mm -hmm. Ontario. So, yeah, um, my parents immigrated from Japan. um, And uh, honestly, overall, my education experience here was really positive. Um, You know, I went through the same things that I'm sure all of you went through in terms of, like, Just feeling like the well, not you, I guess, Vaughn, but um, just like being the minority um, in the class. But uh, honestly, the only thing that that it did for me was like it made me feel really self-conscious. Like when I brought in my lunches that were all like you know rice balls and like seaweed and you know things like very Japanese like um, lunches and you know being made fun of for you know the food I'm eating and things like that. So socially, you know, those are the things that I kind of went through, which I'm sure many people can relate to. But, um, you know, by the time we were in high school, it was like majority Asians at my school.
0: So, um,
3: <laughs> you know, things really changed um, from elementary to high school.
0: Yeah. And uh, well, What type of pressure were you under to succeed, um, like from, from your family? As we all know, uh, Asian parents can be, um, you know, pre- pre- pretty good with the pressure. Obviously, they just want the best for us. But what was your experience of, um, of the <laughs> pressure to succeed?
3: To be honest, I think I'm an anomaly because my parents didn't put much pressure on me. But then I felt like a little bit resentful as an adult looking back like that. I was like, how come they didn't like pressure us to do anything with our lives like I don't know like maybe I could have been a lot further like I could have gone further with my life no but um, <laughs> but honestly they they didn't put any academic pressure on us and oh, wow. um, you know what they got from that three artists like <laughs> 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 so my sisters like my oldest sisters and pastry chef you know my second sister's interior designer and then you know I was a music teacher I, I am a music teacher but yeah so oh. anyway it's uh, it's just funny they got three artists starving artists
2: (laughs) but you guys can put on an awesome cocktail party
3: (laughs) that we can do
0: (laughs) Um, okay great thanks you know it's great knowing your experiences uh, growing up in Canada and being educated but now we're going to jump into the actual interview so uh, Veronica take it away
1: so the reason this is an interview is because all the everything in the news is about the announcements that come out and then everyone knows what parents points of view are is because well first of all I'm always ranting about them and then you always see it on social media and so you know what me ignorantly like all the other parents back in the summer assumed that teachers found out about changes ahead of us and so I would always I'd spot like our teacher on the street and be like, so what's happening? Or I'd ask my, my teacher friends and be like, I don't know. So we thought you guys were just keeping like the secret and you, <laughs> you just knew more than we did. So the reason I, I had to reach out to you and I say had to is because really I feel like I don't know the teacher side and neither does anyone else. So I was surprised to know, and maybe you can tell us or if you can tell us, how do they choose the teachers to go from virtual learning? Like, did you start as an in-school teacher, an in-class teacher, and did you volunteer or was it a lottery,
3: yeah. a fun so, lottery? <laughs> yeah, um, I wish it was something like that. But no, um, you know, I think at the during the summer, they put it out there like a like a poll or something, you know, who would be interested, what teachers would be interested in going uh, online, uh, teaching virtual. And I think the biggest myth that TdSC made was that um, they assumed that more teachers would want to um, teach online. But they got such a, you know, low number of responses. Um, so I think that was, like, the first thing. Um, but uh, they also gave parents a choice um, of whether or not they wanted their kids to be in uh, bricks and mortar school or online. And they gave them two, you know, um, opportunities to decide, you know, to pull them out or to put them in. And parents kept changing their minds too. And so we didn't know the numbers like that we're going to get in our schools until two days before school started in September. Like it was just chaotic. Like nobody knew what they were teaching, whether they're going to be in school, out of school. Like it was, it was just, I mean, if you could just imagine it was just a gong show, right? Like we didn't know what was going on. And then, um, so finally, uh, they found out that, you know, like, well, our school found out that we're going to be losing seven teachers. And the way they decided mm-hmm. that was um, is based on seniority. So basically the number of years you've been teaching in TDSB, you know, you, you start with the lowest numbers first and then you keep going. So we lost seven at our school and then um, in September. And then we found out what we're going to be teaching. <laughs> and then because and because they also cut out all the rotary subjects, um we learned that we'd also be teaching like a straight grade, like all subjects. So we'd be responsible to teach every single like like language, math, geography, history, science, drama, dance, music, everything. Right. Um, Right. So (laughs) it was really nuts. And we're all unprepared to be doing that. And then for myself, the second wave, like so when the parents um, got to decide again whether or not they wanted to pull their kids out of in-person school that was in October, so um, more students were pulled out, and so we lost another two teachers, myself and another colleague. And so I, I found out like on the Monday that I was going to be, you know, moved to remote teaching, and then I had to tell my students on like the Wednesday, Thursday, and then I had to pack up on the Friday, and then I started on the Monday the week, the following week. <laughs> wow.
1: So. so, so wait, I I. So I know all my teacher friends, they, like, do a lot of work after work. Like, they're always grading. They can't come out with me because they're grading. <laughs> this is pre-pandemic. And, like, I just feel like I'm, like, you're always doing your job. So I know that the prep is a lot. So knowing that the prep is a lot just for in-school learning, now you have to learn, like, did you have any tech experience? Like, did you know, like, what are you using, Zoom? How, how are you teaching our kids? <laughs> oh, my
3: gosh. I had, like, I'm so not tech savvy at all, Um, then having to move online with like a brand new platform because like all the teachers were using um, Brightspace, which is like a brand new platform for us. And then, so having to learn that um, was a crazy learning curve. Like, honestly, it was so brutal. I felt like I was having a breakdown. Actually, like it was, it was nuts. And learning everything. Um, I attended like seven to eight different webinars on how to use Brightspace and navigate it through it. Um, and then like <laughs> one month into online teaching, uh, they said that we need to switch to like Zoom um, meets instead of like the Brightspace virtual classroom. And so you know, just having to switch again to learn to learn how to use Zoom. And you know, they just keep switching things on us. Um, um, and so, yeah, the prep work is, is crazy. Like, I tell people that it, as if you're planning, like, a, um, prepping for, like, a web, like, a presentation basically every single day, um, you know, and so it takes so much work. So you're on all day, but then you're, like, right afterwards, you're planning to put on, like, a presentation you know, for the next day, which is, it's crazy. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I can't even imagine the burnout because I already feel burnout just being like work from home and trying to like homeschool. (laughs) I can't even imagine the burnout that you must be seeing on the horizon for yourself and other teachers. Like, I want to know what your, what you think, like, what are your concerns for teachers and students? Because now it's impacting two school years. And then there are kids who are in transition grades, like grade eight, or like if they go to K to six, or and even like high school students that had have to pick post secondary. They're losing out on two years of school. Like, what are your concerns for teachers, school? Uh, sorry, teachers, kids, mm-hmm. and then parents. You yeah.
0: know, honestly, yeah. I was, I was just gonna say, yeah. So to to rephrase that, uh, are is, is this new generation totally screwed?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh are we going to have a
0: generation of dumb I know. people who just don't know what's what's going on? Yeah. If know, honestly,
2: is correct and the children are the future, is our future
3: uh, fucked? I know. <laughs> just don't want that surgeon operated, operating on you that graduated during uh, 2021. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, like, I, you know, I'm actually, I'm fearful of, of this generation, like, you know, there's so many different things, like, it's such a loaded question, honestly, like, um, for the kids, I feel bad for them, like, they're missing out on so many experiences, like, especially the transitional years, you know, my son is missing out on his grade A graduation, my daughter is missing out on a Kearney, you know, trip, um you know all the high schoolers who are missing out on prom like all those experiences that make school school you know um are they've lost out on that and that's that's sad um and yeah for teachers i honestly i feel bad for us Um, um you know i i think that a lot of teachers are having you know some mental health issues and just feeling like just overloaded and I think the heart of teachers is that they they want to do their job well like they want to be able to teach well but given the circumstances and like the time frame and you know the resources where we feel a little stuck you know right
1: and you're you're a parent too right (laughs) yes yeah how many kids do you have Uh, I have three yeah Mm. See, I don't even like I have one and I just give her snacks and an <laughs> iPad and I'm like, just stay there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: I, I've come a long way from clapping erasers, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> No, so, I know my, I, my kindergarten kid, like she, it makes daily appearances in my, in my virtual classroom. Like all my students know her now because like, <laughs> she's just, I don't know like what she's doing really. Like uh, it's hard to keep her in front of the screen, like literally all day. Right. So, um, I mean, you just kind of do what you can do, right? Uh, It's a pandemic, and we just kind of have to keep repeating that, you know? Um, I think the number one thing is for kids to feel like they're safe um, and that, you know, they're in in a place that or they're with people who love them, right? right. And so, yeah,
1: I mean... But do that's you the, have the kids that you had in school? Or are you teaching? who? Like, who are you teaching? Are they the same kids you taught <laughs> in,
3: in school? Or? So that would make the most sense, right? If yeah. um, the kids that I taught in school were part of my virtual classroom, but it's not. Um, so basically, <laughs> another thing that TDSB thought of was that they thought it would be a great idea to... Um, lump students together from like the same, I guess, area, TDSB area. So I'm in part of Learning Center 3, which is like Southeast Scarborough. Um, And so I have students from all over, like from seven to eight different schools all in my virtual classroom. Um, And so I've never met them, probably will never meet them. They don't know each other, you know, probably will never meet. Um, And then when we go back to school, they're all going to be strangers to their school, homeschool, because... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's um, probably the worst decision, I, I, I honestly think, just in terms of, like, their mental health and, like, you know, just you know, finding accountability in relationships and, you know, all of that, right? It's, uh, it, it's not the most ideal situation. I mean, honestly, it's
1: setting them up really great as Tinder profiles. Like, they're not <laughs> making any connections. They're basically, you've never met them. And and this is the thing. What I found so fascinating is, I'm like, I just want to talk to a teacher because I'm like, what the hell is going on? These are a bunch of kids. Like, this is our future. And during the pandemic, if there's anywhere to like make sure we're doing okay, is for kids because coming out of this, we need a generation of 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 people to have hope if the world continues to exist. And hopefully, it's in good hands. But I don't know about now. I'm not sure. I might turn into Kris Jenner after this, to be honest. Um, Yeah. So uh, thank you, because it it was really good to get that insight, because honestly, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that were like myself who just thought that the the teachers may have held the same opinion as it's not. There's no opinion to hold. But I mean, we just thought that you knew things ahead of us, which you didn't. And that, to me, is the biggest surprise of all. I'm like, thanks for... Thanks for having our children in mind,
3: <laughs> Canada. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks, and No problem. My pleasure. Thanks oh, for yeah. having
0: me. Yeah, I wanted to, to thank you for coming on our show. You are actually our very first guest. We've never had a guest before. So <gasps> you are our yeah. first honorary – well, not honorary because you're <laughs> our first literal <laughs> guest um, – <laughs> Uh, so yeah you're uh yeah so you've you've gone down in history (laughs) okay
3: thank you um i feel honored
0: thank (laughs) you uh thank you for all your insights and uh and uh wait when when does the when does the school um start up again or 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 has has it it already i mean
1: no So for elementary, um, they're not supposed to go back until whatever. I think it's January twenty fifth. That's right. Is what they're saying, but I mean, who knows? Yeah, (laughs) I'm prepared to settle in for the rest of the school year.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's how it is. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, you know, thank. I'm gonna say something that usually people say to army people, but uh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for your service. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> for, for serving the, uh, for serving. I feel like we need like a, a similar phrase for teachers like that because it's so associated yeah. with armies. But thank you for your patience. I
3: don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's literally, it's like we do feel like we're in survival mode right now. You know, yeah. it really is. It's just, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> you know? that's, yeah. that's not
1: true. <laughs> well, I appreciate all the teachers out there who are putting in the extra work.
3: Thanks
0: okay great and uh you know have a great rest of your weekend and we are now going to transition into our next topic a, a very different topic but this topic comes from from uh from leonard and it is of course the topic that is leading all international headlines uh, take it take it away leonard uh
2: yeah so earlier in the week there was a mild insurrection uh <laughs> Uh, Trump supporters stormed the Capitol building uh, at the behest of their insane leader. And, uh, yeah, you know, so basically uh, Trump held a rally that wasn't far from the Capitol. Uh, And then, you know, after telling everybody that the election was stolen for the umpteenth time, uh, he he a strong, his husk of a lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, called for trial by combat. And they told his supporters to march on the Capitol, which and then they did. And I remember like watching these riots and thinking, wow, that escalated steadily for the last four years uh, <laughs> oh. pretty much where we expected things to go um you it was crazy like if they just walked in too right like and yeah. there's video of the police just letting them in and especially considering who was there it was nuts like the vice president the vice president-elect the house the senate like there are basically nine supreme court justices and a president away from a state of the union <laughs> so <laughs> and they just walked in uh, and the stuff was violent. Like people died. Like five people died. There were pipe bombs. There's a dude with Molotov cocktails. Another guy with zip ties that are used for I don't know taking hostages. Uh, by oh, the way, uh, of the two Trump supporters, well, of the five, uh, four Trump supporters that died. Well, five actually, because the cop who died was also a Trump supporter. But um, <clears throat> one of them accidentally tased himself in the balls and gave himself a heart attack.
0: Oh my god.
2: And the other was trampled to death while carrying a flag that said, don't tread on me.
0: Uh, oh no, 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 <laughs> no, <aren't like>, memes.
2: <laughs> I feel like we've, I don't know if we've reached peak irony yet, but we're getting pretty close. Uh, uh. Uh, but yeah, it could have been a lot worse, um, you know, but it's going to happen again, you know, cause like they're still planning more stuff. They're talking about like successful operation because, uh, They've been told, like, their ass had a president said that Democrats pose an existential threat to their existence. So I don't think the law is going to hold these people back. No. So the only hope is, like, some Republicans might turn on them because, like, they, their lives were actually put into danger. But, I don't know, after the whole thing happened, a bunch of them got back on the floor and still decried the election as a fraud. So I, I'm not holding my breath. Uh, but the nice thing is Trump has been uh, banned from Twitter, Facebook, like Twitch, basically everything like i'm sure he's gonna like end up on OnlyFans, and i'm real sad about that um and yeah conservatives are like crying; they're being silenced and stuff i was like you know it's cancel culture or whatever and i was like you know what it's not like if you're getting canceled because you're a raging asshole it's not cancel culture so uh and i guess there's gotta be an asian bent on this so i'm sure like china's looking (laughs) at this thinking oh democracy is great oh
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. China, you know, it, you know on, on a similar note of democracy being under attack, China, you know, with that with that dumbass law they put into um, effect a, a while ago, they they clamped down with with mass arrest in Hong Kong again. And wow. I, I think it, it did happen just before the 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 siege on the capital. So I don't think they're related. But I think definitely when when you know the world's strongest democracy and i I, I will say there's a lot of things i don't like about the u.s but you know they are you know in terms of history they're, they're they're important to the advancement of democracy and to see what's happening there i think it is empowering to the chinese government they're like well we'll just do this now because honestly this it, it, what's happening in China hasn't even made any news like these poor Hong yeah. Kong people are trying to get you know international people to support them of like you know Chinese people are taking away our democracy but people are like wait a minute but in, in the US this crazy shit is happening so nobody's supporting these Hong Kong people other than uh, people being like I'm gonna like boycott fucking Mulan and I've made a difference um, yeah. Yeah. apparently it's
2: more exciting to watch democracy fall than to watch people fight for it
0: yeah yeah, it's just, I don't I will say the one bright spot, and I might get in trouble with this, but the one bright spot was, so they brought this noose and everything um, to, to the thing. But I, I'm deranged. And for me, um, I thought it was a bright spot because for once the noose was meant for a white person. Um, I, well, yeah,
2: they want to hang Mike Pence, that and you know, they not were.
0: that I want anybody to be hanged, but when I saw it, I was like, "Oh no, are they going to go after like some BLM people?" But then I saw the video, and they were chanting, "You know, kill Mike Pence, kill hang Mike
2: Pence. Pence, hang Mike Pence." Oh. My God, like to be a to be a fly on Mike Pence's head
0: that day. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So, one question I want to throw out there just quickly is: Do we think? He's actually going to face any consequences for this? For inciting, like I don't even I don't even know what to call it. Like, yeah, insurrection, yeah,
2: sedition, insurrection, possible treason. Um, will he? I think it's more likely now than it was before. Like, they're going to impeach him. That's certainly going to pass. I don't think I don't think it's going to. It, it may or may not come up in the Senate. I think McConnell said it might. I forget. Um, but even if it does, I don't think there's. Significant appetite on the Republican side for actually convicting him. Uh, But he's not going to be president as of January 20th anyway. So once that happens, like there's going to be investigations and he's just going to be a private citizen. I feel like for the good, like this is not one of those times when like post-Nixon when like Gerald Ford was like yeah let's just pardon this guy no 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 or was it Carter I forget Ford or Carter and they pardoned Nixon like preemptively for everything that he did in those four years I don't think that's going to be helpful here because like he broke so many rules and laws that you cannot let that stand you need to set a precedent being like you know (laughs) like they're calling for unity now which is absurd that's like cancer being like ah you know what let's let's just all get along like no! You're trying to kill us! You're literally you know, trying to kill people.
1: I hear what you're saying, but I feel so just let down by all of that. And I'm like, uh I, I I almost wouldn't even be surprised if he wouldn't get anything as harsh as he deserves. Um I I just you know, I just hope that whatever he's using on his skin, that orange shit, just seeps in finally and takes hold and just like he just keels
2: over because I
1: don't, to, I, I don't know if I have any faith anymore
2: I don't want him to die I want him to like feel I, got, it? I know I know it's impossible because What's he's he incapable he's, like physiologically incapable of shame but I just do I want him to like lose all his money lose all his supporters and everybody be like you're a loser. You're a loser. Oh. You suck. You're the worst. I mean, he is going to be the, he, he's going to be impeached twice. The only president. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I would say that there's two things. If he did die, I want him to die of COVID just because it would just be so poetic. Just yeah, he would go around saying tru- he's tru- immune. Tru- no, I feel I like. I guess
2: it's another strain. There's new strains to try to get him.
0: Yeah. There's new strains. <laughs> you know or the other thing is i want him to have the same fate as other world dictators i want him to like uh run away claim asylum somewhere and then we hunt him down or the u.s hunts him down and we find him in some weird little bunker and then he's all famished because they don't have mcdonald's in that fucking country and then <laughs> before they break in he shoots himself like i want him to have like a hitler no, I mean, sized I mean, like sad ass yeah. ending <laughs>
2: Ah, I mean at least Hitler specific. knew when it was over. <laughs> so he's yeah. nothing like Hitler. Hitler knew. He was like, Well, this is over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. I need this bitch holed up in somebody's basement, dying of starvation. That is what I need from this hoe. Yeah. And it's funny because this whole time people have been saying, like, you know, been telling me I'm like on the extremes, but I'm like, all, this whole time, I was like, you can't negotiate with terrorists. There is no, like, let's, you know, moderate Democrats, let's let's get in a room and negotiate. I was like, no, these bitches are crazy. They don't even believe in democracy. Like, what's, what's the discussion? What's, what's the discussion? Like, yeah. the discussion there's, is, I need you to die. That's the discussion.
2: That's yeah. the problem. There's no negotiating when their position is so extreme that for you to, like, because they just want to drag you to the middle which is far to the right. Yeah. Like, they're just yes. moving the Overton window to the right, and they've been doing it steadily for years. And then, of course, and then the problem is, then when the left tries to pull it back, that side sounds really extreme, and then it's, like, really easy to be like, look how crazy they are! You don't want that! And it's like, nobody wants that or that. Like, we, most people are moderates and right in the middle, and then all these loud fuckers on either side are just screaming about, you know, nonsense. That's yeah. way beyond what most reasonable people feel. <laughs>
0: Yep. Okay, well, you know, we're obviously going to keep tracking this story. I'm sure we'll be talking about it next week. I, remember, I feel so bad because last week I put into the universe, you know, this crazy, desperate hoe. What is he going to do in his last couple weeks? And I put that in the universe and he answered. And now it's like... <sighs> Uh, there's every single day there's another chance like I know Nancy Pelosi contacted the Joint Chiefs to see if she could take away his access to the nuclear codes like this bitch still has the nuclear oh codes God. like what is going like, on
2: like it's scary that this man has nuclear codes but he's not allowed to have Twitter like
1: that's yes. That's, and that, yeah that's actually that's funny that you said that because I was thinking Wait a minute, I don't want to know what he's not what he's saying. I don't not want to know that because like what if he's seeing something crazy and no one catches it and but all his supporters do somehow and whatever alternate
2: communication
1: yeah. but, thing they have.
2: But and the problem is like, telling people to attack other people. Like he's telling people to you know, he's fomenting insurrection.
0: Yeah, I yeah. yeah I, I just wish like I get that that they can't go after Trump right now because they have to impeach him or he has to go out of office, but it's like, there's a lot of co-conspirators here. Okay. Rudy Giuliani should not be walking the streets. He called for trial by combat. Like there's a lot of people who don't have presidential protection. Don Trump Jr. Rudy Giuliani, everybody there. All these. Yeah. Ted Cruz. Josh Hawley. Yeah. All these hoes. They need to face some consequences. Like, and just being yeah. voted out of office is, in, like, two to six years is not enough consequences. Like, I need to see some action, people. I need to see yeah. some yeah. action on these hoes.
2: was a West Virginian uh, House member who was arrested and had to resign because of the arrest. Because he was one of the people who stormed the Capitol. And they identified him because he kept refer he live streamed it and referred to himself in the third person.
3: What? <laughs>
1: Well, wow. maybe if we can count on them all being not that bright then. Well,
2: you know what? The funny thing is, had more of them worn masks, it would have been harder to know who they yes. were.
1: <laughs> Irony.
2: You should wear masks when you're committing federal crimes.
1: Isn't it ironic? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, you know, we'll we'll talk about this more next week. And I hope this is the climax. I have a feeling it might not be, but please let this be it the is- climax. Definitely not oh, okay I, I just need to move on before I I don't know I'm gonna pass out and talk about this more um, now let's uh, let's go on to our our final topic of the week and this comes from Veronica featuring one of Canada's biggest stars in the world right now and people are really worried for his well-being uh, Veronica, what oh. is happening?
1: So uh, The weekend has been sporting bandages on his face. And so people are wondering what the hell is going on. And um, so his new video came out. What's it called? Something about tears. And his face looks like he's had tons of cosmetic surgery. So it's actually CGI and prosthetics but it he literally looks like well every other person out there who's had just tons of cosmetic surgery it's that high cheekbone puckered square ish jawline he looks and full lips and the thing is some people thought he really did get the surgery and they thought that it was a diss on his ex-girlfriend bella hadid and i'm thinking that's a little too far for like a revenge thing for your ex but what What's so interesting to me is that I was like, I don't even think I'd be surprised if he really did do the surgery. There's so many people that are like, fine, do what you want to make you happy. But this whole cosmetic cosmetic enhancements and plastic surgery, normal people are doing that. Like girls I see on the street with Botox, and they're getting encouraged to do this at 20-something and keep doing it. And now their faces are falling during pandemic because... Mm can't get appointments and then I'm seeing layers of eyelashes on people out on the street because they're so used to being on camera and the foundation is like a layer cake it's like a tiramisu on their face I'm like you're not always on camera like eventually we're gonna see each other in real life stop that shit mm. um, but and this is why this story interested me because I was like I wouldn't be surprised if the weekend did that to say he did not his face looks as it always has it was just CGI and it was it was prosthetics, and it his face was normal for the the little Pepsi ad that he's gonna do for um that he's doing for the halftime show the little uh, teaser ad for his halftime show for the Super Bowl. So no need to worry. The weekend is his face is all intact. But the rest of you, stop it. We're gonna see you in real life one day. You don't need to wear all that crap on your face and do all that stuff to yourself. Mm. And your butts aren't that big. I know they're not
0: yeah I feel like this is generational because um one of my favorite singers uh angelina jordan did um she did a an instagram live where she was you know she just you know sang a few songs or whatever and she she's fourteen and people were commenting about how oh she has on so much makeup but it was like it, it was, like, generational because everybody who knew was, like, she's not wearing makeup. That's an Instagram filter. So I think people who are getting wound up about The weekend's face, like, listen, people, there's CGI, there's filters. Everybody calm down. The weekend is safe. <laughs> he will, <laughs> you know, I don't know what he's going to look like for the Super Bowl show, but congratulations to him. More Canadian representation on the Super Bowl show. I know he's going to kill it. Um, but yeah, let's, I don't know. It feels like there's a lot of things to worry about. Um, but, uh, people were really worried about about the, the weekend's face. So many conspiracy theories.
1: Yeah. There's a lot more things to worry about than his face. But I mean, I will say though, that when, so I just noticed that my daughter is starting to not be able to tell the difference between reality and I don't even know what to call it now. Non-reality social media because she doesn't, I, and I am like, I'm worried. I'm like, I don't even know how to explain it now because I'm also starting to lose sense between either how to explain it. Or I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's an enhancement anymore or what's not. So I don't know. It just worries me a little bit.
0: So yeah, I, I do think things are going to really start to blur because, you know, especially with, um, with the rise of augmented reality. And I know, I know people are like, you know, they've been saying augmented reality for like a million years and it never has come yet. But once Apple releases these Apple glasses or whatever, um, the technology will mature at some point where you're seeing an overlay of computer (laughs) graphics on top of, oh, there you go. On top of like the real world. Um, And I do think people are going to lose sense of what's real and what's not. I you know, hey, listen, for some things like porn, it's good to not know. It's it's good to have it feel, it's you know, don't, you don't know the difference, you know. Um, so the technology will go. But, yeah, I do think there'll be a generation of kids. Like we said in our earlier segment, this generation is screwed. So. They are. Which means I'm we're so screwed. I'm glad I brought
1: another one. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. That's why. Come on, minister of education. Get it together. He went to private school. I don't know why he's taking care of public school stuff anyways but yeah i just you know uh what was i gonna say about his face his face um i if you're gonna do that to your face just please like just start using a different aesthetic now like i there's no way the rest of us can compete if we're all gonna look like that same way like there's (laughs) this face is it's all i got give me some hope
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think, too, like, bigger than his face, I want to see what he's going to do with his hair for the Super Bowl. You know? Yeah. He he had that very iconic silhouette, which then he got rid of for his second album. Um, And now I'm like, okay, he's sort of been in hiding. (laughs) What's he going to emerge with now? Um, You know, maybe he'll be like Madonna, where he reinvents his hair every single time. Yeah. But we'll see. I I will definitely, this is probably one of my most looked, forward to Super Bowl halftime shows in a long time. This dude is going to kill it. He's such a great live performer. He's going to kill it, whether he's wearing prosthetics or not.
1: Yeah, His video was pretty good, too. I just watched it before I got on here.
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay, great. Thank you, Veronica, and uh, thank you, The Weeknd, for choosing really, really odd prosthetics (laughs) (laughs) on on your face. Um, It's funny because it I do think he looks like what his baby would be if he had a baby with Bella. Like, he did kind of, like, merge her facial features onto his own face. And it's like, you know, you can kind of imagine how their baby would look like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I don't know. If that's what their baby looks like, they look kind of weird. They look like a Kardashian
0: Hey, I think uh, apparently everybody wants to look like that nowadays. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, thank you, Veronica, and uh, thank you to our panelists. Thank you to our special interviewee, uh, Maki. Oh my god, I, I don't have it on the screen anymore. Uh, this a yes. Um, uh, <laughs> Maki Nishikazi, TDSB teacher, our very first guest on the show ever. So that was amazing to have her. And uh, thank you to our panelists, Leonard and Veronica. Thank you to everybody who's listening to this show. And uh, we will see you back next week. Um, um, I'm your host, Vong Show, and that's what's up.